welcome to This Book is Alive podcast, where we allow the living, breathing Word of God speak into our life every day, because this book is alive. It's not a dead book. It's not a book full of words. It's a book that is living and breathing in our lives. And I thank you for listening to this podcast and believing with me. This book is truly alive. And today, just like last time, my co I'm doing this with the co-host, Brad Ailman, Youth Director of Vineyard Fellowship, I may add. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> and we're talking about adoption again. And Brad, will you like to go ahead and open up for us? But let me before we do that, let me pray for you. And I was not intending to pray for you right now, but I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, bless all these people who are listening to this podcast. They're awesome people, and they're hungry and thirst after you. And I pray, Lord, you fill them up, and you open the eyes of their understanding to know your word and to know you, so that they always say, Abba, Father, to you. Amen. So go ahead, Brad. Yeah. All right. So, adoption. We will be starting in Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And any thoughts on that before I begin? No, let's get into it. Let's get into it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm having a few that's popping up in my head, but it's like, I want you, but I wanted you to point out, Listen to how it says in verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Then it says, you see the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Remember that. And where are we going? Brad? So I think for us to understand adoption more fully, we need to look at the first recording in the Bible of adoption. And that's in Genesis 48. Now explain where is it where it's taking place in that in that chapter. So this is in Egypt after Joseph had brought his father and his family into Egypt during the time of the famine, where Joseph had prepared everything. And I want to just bring out in G- Exodus chapter twenty. I think it's the first or second verse. It says that I. That one of the first statements the Lord says for the Ten Commandments is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. Yeah. The so that's very significant. Uh-huh. And what does bondage do? Well, it does produce fear, but we're going to go into that a little bit later. But go ahead and read from Genesis. Go on. Yeah, so the parallels between this and what Paul is saying in Romans 8. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so in um, when Joseph was in Egypt serving under Pharaoh, he had uh, he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm going to read in uh, 
verse 48. Now it came oh, to pass. Oh, oh, let's, let's jump to chapter 48, okay? Yeah, that's okay. where I'm at. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I jumped. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. Now, Jacob and Israel, same person. Uh, then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, oh, I think I, yeah, that's where I'm going to stop at. Okay, so uh, go ahead with your thoughts, okay? So, Joseph had two sons, and they were not, um, they were not counted among um, the ten, no, the eleven that, uh, that Jacob had. And these eleven sons of well, Jacob... He had twelve children, but the twelfth one was in Egypt. Oh, yeah. Twelve. <laughs> I did my math wrong. But um, <laughs> the twelve that were born to him, um, they were to inherit the blessing of Abraham um, of the promised land. And so these children that Joseph had born were now adopted by Jacob. He took them in and blessed them and adopted them. And now they had no inheritance. They had no heavenly inheritance. But now they had the promised land from given them to them from God. And I want to go back to Romans 8 just a little bit, but stay, stay with Genesis, okay? And I want to bring you back to that part about the spirit of bondage. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, the Lord says, I took you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. So, already, Egypt is being referenced as a place of bondage here, okay? But then the next verse says, for you did not receive spirit of bondage again to fear. Now the thing with bondage is, if you're in bondage, you're always living under constant fear because whoever has you bound can do whatever they want with you, whenever or however they want. There was no respect for you. What what respect was given to you was maybe a favor or something, but it's like you were under constant fear because you never know when you might do favor in front of this person. But you, people, verse 15 of Romans 8, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's very significant because we know later in Genesis, when Jacob blesses Manasseh and Ephraim, he crosses his arm. Mm -hmm. Manasseh was the firstborn. Ephraim was the secondborn. 
Why is that so significant? Yeah, so, yeah, you, you were telling me about the names, the names yeah. having meaning of Manasseh being the firstborn, Ephraim being the secondborn. Yeah, explain that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but here it is. Genesis chapter 41, verse 50, and we're going to go to verse 52 in the New King James Version. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, don't ask me how I was able to say that, <laughs> bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. And here's what he says. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Well, who's his father's house? Well, it was Jacob, Israel, in the land of Israel. So, why? Because now he, Pharaoh is literally his father. Yeah. He's adopted into bondage. But let's look at the next verse. Verse 52. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. Now Ephraim, Jacob laid his right hand on and blessed him. But the right hand always goes to the firstborn. But it went to Ephraim, the secondborn. And listen to what is said here. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Which is very true. Joseph came to Egypt. Potiphar, the Pharaoh, not Potiphar, but Pharaoh, basically adopted him, became like a father to Joseph. And now Joseph is being blessed in Egypt. God's blessing him, so he forgot his father's house in Israel. Well, but now, Jacob came down, and Manasseh and Ephraim are being blessed by Jacob. And what Jacob do? He lays his right hand on Ephraim, and his left hand on Manasseh. And the right hand is basically all a double blessing and other stuff for the firstborn. But it was given to the secondborn. So what does that make? For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Well, that's us to this day. We live in, we live in a land that's a house of bondage. It's, it's the world. It's under rule, rules of the world. It's always changing, you know. You never know what to expect the next day. Something's going to change. So now God's reversed it. It's like now it's like God says, I'm causing... I'm the one who blesses you in the land of affliction. But then the second part for us would be, for God has made me forget all my toil and my father's house. Well, who's his father's house now? Well, now, when Jacob crossed his hand, that means J Joseph's father, Pharaoh. So we're going to be, forget the toil we go through in this world and forget our father's house of this world that's clearly opposed to God. And this is significant because in Romans ch chapter 8, and I'm going to start in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And as children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. 
so you see the blessing of Ephraim there. Mm-hmm. But the next part, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be, that we may also be glorified together. Well, wait a minute, suffering. Why suffering? Because if you're suffering, there's toils in this world. If we're we're adopting God, there's toils that they'll try to do to us. Christians have been persecuted. Christians have been martyred. You know why? Because we're not in this world anymore, of this world. We're of God's kingdom now, which hasn't come to earth yet, but it will one day. But until then, we suffer the toil, but we forget our afflictions because we look to the hope that is to come. I think it's in First John, I think, or Galatians. I can't remember. But we're changing our we're changing the blessings now, from where it's like we forget God's power, and that God blessed us in our land affliction. Like, oh look how blessed we are, to where it's like now we forget our Father has owned the world, and look at how God is blessing us in the land affliction as we look to God's kingdom to come. It's like in the Lord's prayer, it says, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth, as it is in heaven." It was very specific on earth. Why why are we praying that down on earth? Because the earth is not living for God's will. It's not not following God. It's not in God's house. So we're literally praying that God's kingdom that is taking place in heaven start happening right now. And one day it will happen. Yeah, full manifestation of the kingdom of God. Exactly. So um, go ahead, Bryce. I mean, that's, there's so much to think about there. So, Joseph was sold into slavery. And right there, we get our first Egypt is bondage motif. Mm-hmm. And then, God makes him fruitful. Mm-hmm. And so, then, but that's not the real, that's not the real fruit. That's earthly fruit. And then the real fruit comes when he comes back to his family. And there's restoration there, and there's redemption uh, with the relationship with his brothers. And, uh, and, and then his father, Jacob, adopts his sons. So now they have an inheritance, which, by the way, just goes to prove it doesn't matter what your background is. <laughs> Their mother was a pagan priestess. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So <laughs> it it does not matter. You can enter into the will of God, into the glory of God, into the inheritance, into the family of God just through faith mm-hmm. in Jesus. And um do you have a verse you want to go to? Uh Ephesians one. Oh, okay, let's go there. So in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in uh, verse 3? Yeah. Okay. And you want to go ahead and read? Yes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his inheritance, 
by which he made us accepted and in the beloved. Um, and we see a very, this is a very overwhelming blessing. You know. Every spiritual blessing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and where it's like the world like maybe gives us a promotion, pay, or this or that. It's like, it's grace, but yet God's blessings are greater. There's no comparison yeah. to it, you know. Can you imagine, though, how those kids, Ephraim and Manasseh, did not even understand what they were getting themselves into? I mean, how much did they know? I mean, yeah. it's like... I'm sure Joseph yeah. clued them in and told them the stories, but they had no... They are raised in Egypt, raised in bondage. They had no idea what yeah. exactly their inheritance was, that through that family that they just got adopted into and that their descendants would bring the Messiah into the world. Yeah, I mean, could you just imagine? I mean, how much did they know? How much did they didn't know? How much? And we see later the fruits. It's like Ephraim became a great became a great nation. Uh, Manasseh, God like lost the land. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like, oh my word. Uh, there was some other things with Ephraim that it's like escaped my mind right now. But it's like it was blessings, you know, and. And guess what? They were treated as one. Yeah. You know, they weren't outsiders. They were treated as one, you know. And you read that in the Bible, you know. And that's one thing One thing I noticed is like, you know, Christians I know grow up. It's like, oh, you're from there or you're from here. But it's like, no, we are one. Yeah. Granted, maybe you are from Great Britain. Maybe you live in Singapore. Maybe you live in Australia. Maybe you live in Bahama. Maybe you live in Canada. Maybe you live in the EU. I mean... It doesn't matter where you're at or who you are, where you're from. You are one in the Lord. You're adopted in Him. You're a son and daughter. There's no rank or file mm. here. And, you know, that's such an overwhelming acceptance, you know. Yeah. But uh, go ahead, Larry. Yeah, what just, you know, if, if Ephraim and Manasseh, if they didn't understand what they were getting themselves into by being adopted, how much less do we understand what we're getting ourselves into when we're adopted, we're straight up adopted by God mm -hmm. to be his son yeah. and heirs equals to his son, his yeah. uh, only begotten son. Mm -hmm. And uh, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. So we've still got time, and I want to jump to another verse. In First John chapter three, starting in verse one, and I'm going to read to verse three. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and that's a very and a pointed statement, you know, like wow, I mean, that we should be called children of God. Just imagine children of a living God I mean we have Hollywood actors and, and we see in, in mythologies like being adopted as a God it's like you know that's that's big you know I mean a God was bigger than a normal man or woman you know that was big but to hear is like what love this father God in heaven loved you love me, love that person across the street, that he would bestow on us 
that we should be called children of God. Isn't that wild? Yeah. But let's go on. Go on. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So there's a vast difference. I mean, God created the world, and now the world is living their own lives outside of God's will. And when that happens, well, what do you expect? They're not exactly know how to respond to a child of God. You know, like, who are you, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, are you better than us? Well, if you're a God, then yeah. But, you know, I'm not saying we should bow down to each other, but no. But, but if we are a child of God, we have a higher standard to live up to, you know? Yeah. Well, but verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we shall know when he is revealed. Well, who he, he is revealed? Well, it's Jesus. We haven't lived up to the full adoption because we're working it out. But the day's going to come where it's going to fully manifest. Mm-hmm. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we are adopted, but we're still dealing with our old nature that wants to go back to the world. So we got a little bit, we got told from the world, but we got told from ourselves trying to go back to the world. Yeah, an adjustment period. Correct. But it's, but during this adjustment period, we have a hope that when he comes, it's because of this hope that when he comes and we are finally come to that level where we're, where we act and, and follow his ways, clearly, we are purifying our own selves because we have set this hope that when Jesus comes we know that we will finally reach that perfect state mm-hmm. but until that state comes we are working presently knowing that we ours won't be perfect but we work can work it's like an athlete you know it's an athlete that great it's an athlete that fast and an athlete that can jump that high. Well, really, no. But they train their body. They eat right. They do all kinds of stuff. They do what they have to do to be able to do yeah. these incredible feats in sports. And even when an athlete is not at the top of their game, they're still an athlete. Correct. But you know, but if they start going lax in their exercise and stuff, it, their performance goes down. Right. So, you know, we have a performance that we work on every day because our hope is in the Lord who will sanctify and bring us to, you know, just that manifestation. But yeah. go ahead, Brad. No, it, as, that's a really good point is we're running a race, you know, and we are, we're to, we're to run it right. We have to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. And we're learning the rules as we grow. Yeah. Just like if, when we became a child of God, we're granted we're a son, but we're a slave because we don't understand the rules and we're not following the rules. So now it's like we got to put our bodies under. It's like, hey, this is God's rule. This is what God meant. Oh, this is the relationship. Oh, and we and we're working it out day by day. Yeah. 
here a little, there a little. For for this yeah. fruit of God's kingdom in our life. And just as just as you have rules in your house for your children, you have rules set and you have expectations. It's the same. When you're into the the family of God, there are there's rules and there's an expectation of you. So there's construction or something there, going yeah, on. There must across. be construction. It's like, where is that coming from? <laughs> so sorry about the interference there. Yeah, so um so right now my I have nowhere else to go right now. So you got anything else to add, Brad? Yeah. So I mean I get we we got about five minutes left, so we can talk about some closing thoughts, maybe. Um, so Ephraim and Manasseh they didn't know you know the 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 culture mm-hmm. and the the blessings that they were inheriting also, yeah, they were born and raised in Egypt. They yeah. didn't know what life was and like in Canaan. And they were fruitful in yeah. Egypt. Oh, yeah. And yeah. maybe you're fruitful in this life, in this mm-hmm. world. Yeah. But there's other fruit out there mm-hmm. in the Messiah, in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, and we really need to look at what matters. What's going to outlast all of time and all of the earth? is heavenly fruit. Israel is going to outlast every other nation. (laughs) And so, and Egypt is going to be destroyed. Prophecy. And so, they were very fruitful in Egypt, but they were monumentally more fruitful down the line with their inheritance that they didn't have to do anything for. Well, one thing is, one of the things I learned is so many times we look at the short-term fruit that we get, and they're really short-term. It's like it's only for a period, for a time. But it's like, but we got to keep our eyes on the long-term fruit because that lasts forever. I mean, what do we, like, think of Napoleon Bonaparte. He was a great military leader, but he just, it was just war after war, war. Many people died life or ruin everything uh, Julius Caesar I mean he was a great leader you know and then there's like ben- Benedict Arnold it's like he betrayed us he did you know it's like and guess what they all live their fruit yeah. that's his present but it's like it's the long term fruit that we remember yeah. them and by. now all they are is just pages on a book right and and this is the difference with the Bible. The Bible is not pages in a book. It's it's a literally breathing book. It's a living book that touches every aspect of our life from 6,000 years ago to 2,000 years ago during the time of Romans to right now where everything's different. Nations that once were powerful are not that mm-hmm. way anymore. And so much culture changes happen, but yet the Bible still ap- is still applicable, but it's it's basically it's still foundational for what we need to do and how to live. 
and it's still like the perfect room perfect roadmap for our lives granted we don't know the cultures back then what to study them but it's like yeah. it, it's it's a living book it, it never changes and it's amazing how it's it, it's the bible is the best-selling book ever in history and yet it speaks so much to this day it hasn't waned at most i would say it's gotten louder yeah so well and another closing thought is our inheritance in jesus is eternal life Mm -hmm. because he suffered and he experienced death but he was raised into glory and into eternal life so the works that you do for the heavenly kingdom the fruit that you have for the the heavenly fruit with the spiritual blessings that never dies and you will inherit the eternal life just just by being a believer a believer in Christ and putting your faith in him yeah and let me jump to Genesis Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 in New King James Version but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control now, those are good fruits, and yet many of the great people that we admire, if they had any of these fruits, we will c- we value them. It's like these are more important than them having great wealth, great strength, uh, great wisdom in military. It's like if they had this, we, sh- we value them. And I see people look up to them, but look at this. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. But then verse 26, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, even envying one another. So there's a marked difference. Our flesh is crucified in the Lord as we're adopted in Him because the flesh wants to do the world's way. But yet so many Christians I've seen where they were very conceited, they were provoking one another. I had... Christians provoke me just to get me in a fight so they can yell at me. <laughs> and I'm a little kid, and here's these grown adults saying it's like the elders done it, so I'm livid. They're trying to pick a fight with me. And they were elders in the church. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, and then envying one another. I think that, too. It's like they, they envy, like, oh, you're better than that. Oh, who do you think you are? And they're trying to put it back. It, you, you see that character flaw. But yeah, I have seen others where they actually developed those fruits of the Spirit and lived it and crucified their flesh. But it's a daily walk. We die yeah. to crucify our flesh because it will want to try to provoke Yeah, us. that's the suffering. Yeah, and it's something that we deal with because it's like we're not 100% pure from it. To yeah, be able to it's necessary for your inheritance. Correct. Yeah. But any closing thoughts for this passage? Yeah. Don't uh, don't be like the world. Don't uh, don't try to make it onto the history pages, the history books. Try to make it into the Lamb's Book of Life, mm-hmm. and you'll see your fruit. Good, good. And I'll let Brad pray. So from Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse seventeen. 
I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Amen.